but yeah, of course, you know, data over a long period of time is the only thing that really works. Um, it's, it's pretty interesting to see like someone I saw on Reddit got in here from, got it introduced to dash from TikTok because some, um, some tweet, I think it might've been a tweet that I sent said that said something about like, you know, you can already spend dash at AMC theaters through dash direct or whatever. Someone made a TikTok about that and the TikTok blew up. And then a bunch of people are like, Oh, I heard about this. And then they come pop in and read it. And it's just like, Oh, interesting. Like, and, that, and yeah. at, at that point I just told people at the marketing hub, we need to get on TikTok. We need a TikTok bounty right now. Like you just get on this thing. So, yeah. Well, it, it does appear we're live. A couple of people watching on YouTube. Um, a bunch of people, 14, are watching on Odyssey, which is All always... Right, we're up and running. Always heartens, always warms my heart when people go on the, the decentralized path. And yeah, so, hey, everyone. Uh, we have a lot of cool stuff to cover. Let me just run into this intro thing, and then we'll just get started and start hacking through the questions. Yeah, so hey everyone, oh, happy Friday, um, good to see you guys. I'm joined by the one and only Ryan Taylor, CEO of Dash Core Group. So how's it been, Ryan? Been good, how are you doing? It's been a while. <laughs> yes, it has been a while. It has been a while and it's been good, it just busy. Like also when I see just how much work goes into some so many things and how few people are doing what percentage of the work it just kind of makes me think of like if you wanted the entire world to grind to a halt you just find like five guys and like take them out and that's it you know so it's, it's definitely one of those well, things hopefully not <laughs> hopefully it's not that extreme but yeah but it, it's shockingly few like when you start thinking about like the ogs in the space like where would we be let's just take it like random three like gavin andreessen eric Voorhees, and roger Ver. If they just like never got into crypto, of course, maybe other people have taken their place, but we wouldn't be where we are today for sure. Let's just say, yeah. you know, and then like Evan, without Evan, Dash wouldn't exist. And, you know, just like one person just moving the space forward, you know, Vitalik, of course, has caused the whole smart contract stuff. Anyway, um, that's kind of near here here. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah. Hilawi says that the title's not updated. Well, the, the title's updated for me on the one I'm watching on my separate device. So we'll uh, we'll go with that one. But let me see. Let's just start going into some questions. Let me know, by the way, if the audio is good, if someone's too quiet, if someone's not, and then we'll you know, we'll make the adjustments as they go. But so there was a ton of questions, right? And as I'm sure, like everyone wants to know a million different things. Um, let me just start with the whole privacy coin super question, because there's a lot of sub questions to that thing. So basically, there was talking about the uh, proposed virtual asset service provider rules, which might make things like coin joiners, things like that, illegal or whatever. What's your take on that? Do you think that Dash is going to be affected by that? Well, uh, 
virtual asset service provider uh, rule set is, or the travel rule, mm -hmm. is kind of in many ways very separate from the technology that's being used for the transaction itself. Um, you look at a project like Monero and uh, and even they're saying, look, there, there's no requirement that this information even be passed between uh, the network mm -hmm. um, or happen on chain. Th there can be a service or a direct communication between the parties involved if they're custodial in nature. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the other thing to keep in mind with FATF, which is the body that issued those um, recommendations is uh, they're just an international body. They don't actually write laws. They're mm -hmm. recommendations out to various countries that are part of FATF and participate in FATF, but uh, it's their obligation to implement laws that are compliant with that if they want to. There's, there's no obligation. And so it's like a recommendation body. Hmm. Um, and basically what that travel rule is stating is that if I'm an exchange and I'm sending money to another exchange, um, I, I should be uh, communicating the source and destination of funds. Um, and both parties to that transaction should be able to see that information on, on whose behalf are we moving money. Yeah. Um, and that's very much in line with what happens with a wire transfer or any other type of monetary transfer between uh, two institutions that are servicing customers. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't believe there's any reason to think that it would affect Dash in any way, uh, that it wouldn't affect any other digital asset. Um, when it comes to the privacy topic, what has been done so far is there's been no laws on privacy coins defining them or yeah. uh, banning them or or anything of the sort um but what has been done is that there's been some guidance to exchanges from regulators saying hey we perceive this to be a higher risk they didn't say what to do about that risk they didn't say, hey, you, you need to change your compliance program or you need to not cover these assets. They didn't take that far of a step. They've simply said, hey, uh, these assets may pose greater challenges. And so I, so far, there doesn't seem to be uh, much of an appetite to take it much further than that. That was, I'm talking within the US here, that was the previous administration and a push right at the end of the previous mm -hmm. administration. We haven't seen this administration take that topic up. What they've been focused on and what they've made clear over the last few weeks is we're more concerned with DeFi. They're very concerned and probably the first area that they're gonna focus on is stable coins and specifically centralized stable coins that are supposedly yeah. backed by assets. So I just don't see the same appetite. Um, and we've been making a lot of progress in some of the other jurisdictions, um, you know, over the last couple of years, we've gotten relisted in Australia, relisted on a major exchange here in the US. We got mm -hmm. uh, relisted in Gibraltar on eToro X a couple of years ago. Um, mm -hmm. And we've been making really good progress with Japan. Um, we're hoping to continue to make progress there. 
in terms of regulator understanding of what Dash is and how exchanges can meet their, yeah, you know, money laundering obligations with Dash. So we're, I think this tide is beginning to turn the other way. Well, that's good to hear. So as far as Australia is concerned, has is Dash relisted on like most major exchanges? Obviously, that's a little bit of a broad question, but like basically. I remember there's a few Australian exchanges that are giving issues and have they now reversed? Well, one of them, uh, I believe it's the largest Australian exchange has relisted Dash. Mm -hmm. And um, that was done in concert with the mm -hmm. exchange. We approached the regulator. We, you know, explained what Dash is, what uh, our coin join feature does. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that there are compliance services that the exchange can acquire and ultimately got them over that uh over the concerns and allowed the exchange to relist so I, you know at this point there's no rule or or anything in australia from a regulator certainly no law saying you can't list dash yeah well that's good to hear so anything about like the uk the most recent thing i've heard seems to be that for example coinbase in the uk doesn't yet enable dash for example yeah so uk is interesting it it's really hard sometimes to get a straight answer when you're talking to both the exchange and the regulators and trying to figure out where the miscommunication may be happening but mm -hmm. the regulators in the uk are saying we, we haven't prohibited anything uh, we haven't prohibited them from listing Dash. We haven't told them they shouldn't list Dash or that yeah. Dash is a higher risk. Um, and I think that there's more of a perception issue circulating within the UK uh, compliance teams that Dash is somehow higher risk and, and therefore business decision, maybe we shouldn't list it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when we go back and forth between the two, you know, you do get different stories about uh, the extent of the communication and how stringently the regulator is saying don't do or don't list Dash. Um, you know, I think the regulator is reluctant to say you can list Dash. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, per perhaps uh, they're asking in the wrong way or something. And, and we're trying to help uh, dispel some of these uh, mm -hmm. miscommunications that are clearly happening between the two because the regulator yeah. isn't telling us we're not saying those things. Um, yeah. And, you know, even with Coinbase, they're international, but all of these compliance teams are local. They're all mm -hmm. dealing with local laws. Mm -hmm. And so even within an organization, you can have a strong support in one area and another area a lot of misconceptions and misunderstanding about what dash even is mm -hmm. and so it, it's not just go talk to coinbase right yeah it's go talk to coinbase in every jur jurisdiction in which they uh, make these decisions and so you have to talk to somebody in the eu you have to talk to somebody in the uk you have to talk to somebody in the us you have to talk to somebody in japan as they're approaching that market so it, it is and now multiply this times all the exchanges. It is mm -hmm. a constant revolving door of new people. And, um, you know, sometimes yeah. you're starting over from scratch. Well, before, let me hit this super chat we got from one time before we go into the 
the other stuff. Hydro and Ryan has reduced has reducing the circulating inflation had the expected effect so far. Is Dash's tokenomics now competitive with Bitcoin and other cryptos? Will there be any more proposed changes soon? So I guess sort of skipping ahead to that a little bit. Well, I think it's early days still. Mm-hmm. Um, what we have seen is that um, the circulating supply growth rate has dropped, mm-hmm. um, starting with when we announced the changes and, and uh, has remained much lower than it has been in years past. Um, I think we'll, we'll be able to declare you know, the degrees of success, I would say, by the end of the year, because that's when it would have had its full annualized yeah, uh, cycle impact. in place. And uh, I, I, I plan to assess the, the level of success at this point. Uh, we did see a large number of masternodes spin up recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the number of masternodes on the network have been increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so perhaps that is an indicator that it's beginning to, to take effect. Um, I think that the the goal was not necessarily to reach Bitcoin's level of inflation because Bitcoin's is in the two to three percent range, mm-hmm. and uh, without changing our emissions schedule, which would be an even more dramatic change, yeah, um, and would be tough to absorb at the masternode layer. Um, you know, we're, we're taking a more gradual set of changes. The goal is to get the circulating supply consistently growing less than 10%. And that would put us in the neighborhood of fiat. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, not lately. Yeah. <laughs> lately, fiat's yeah. been growing a little bit faster than that. But it, it, it allows us to, to at least um, uh, stabilize to a degree we just haven't had. For context, we mm-hmm. historically, over the last few years, um, when the number of masternodes stabilized, we were growing at approaching 30% year on year. And that is not sustainable. We're, we're, we're making that same argument about the government right now, right? This yeah, is not sustainable. And it wasn't. And we needed to make those changes. So I, I think that it's done a lot to stabilize. And, you know, I, I, I think that we've seen a much lower circulating supply growth rate. Mm-hmm. We are reporting on this on the quarterly calls. We've got yeah. some tough year-on-year comparables uh, for the QT report that we just did and the Q3 mm-hmm. report that we're, we've got coming up. So, you know, I, I think we're still going to be above 10% for those two, but uh, mm-hmm. hopefully by the end of the year, we start to drop. Yeah, I mean, that would be nice. Well, let's go back into like the the privacy part of it. So a lot of people are talking about, you know, chain analysis. So chain analysis is a company that you know obviously helps and analyze blockchains in order to you know detect illicit activity things like that and it appears especially lately a lot of especially among the more like libertarian minded people in crypto really do not like them because they were using like honeypot things to sort of de-anonymize some people and transactions and basically uh, at some point there was a announced partnership with dash and chain analysis and Basically, there seems to be a lot of misconceptions or just rather lack of information of like what the nature of that thing is. So what is the nature of Dash's partnership with Chainalysis? 
Well, uh, yeah, so Chainalysis uh, provides chain analytics, anti-money laundering, and a bunch of other services to uh, law enforcement uh, and financial institutions. Um, usually the, the you know, impetus for, for them engaging with them is uh, investigative work or um, for the purposes of anti-money laundering uh, processes within an exchange. Um, these services uh, exist, you know, I, there's a lot of them. There's uh, uh, TRM Labs, there's Elliptic, there's Chainalysis, there's Blockchain Intel, there's CoinFirm, um, quite a number of others I could go on. Uh, and uh, they all specialize in a different set of coins. They all uh, provide a different set of services, different GUIs, but they all fu essentially function the same way. Mm -hmm. um, for centralized exchanges to offer services to Dash, um, they need one of those services. Otherwise, mm -hmm. they certainly can't argue to regulators that we're monitoring our transactions, we're monitoring mm -hmm. the activity on the network, and we're reporting suspicious activity. Yeah. Um, and so they can't list Dash without one of those services, without imperiling their uh, their licenses and, and uh, so they need it. Uh, so what what Dash Core Group did was help you know develop the ecosystem of services that we have. Uh, Chainalysis is probably the most credible of the group that mm -hmm. we've managed to add Dash services to um, as far as in, in the eyes of their customer base. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we don't have a contractual relationship with them at this point um, where you know we're paying them to, to do anything on our network. Their customers are the ones that pay them to maintain the service for Dash. Mm -hmm. And... Oh. Uh, yeah, Strophy just commented in the live chat, by the way, blockchain Intel has helped Masternode owners track stolen collateral in the past as well, a valuable contribution to the ecosystem. That is also true. We have had some thefts, and um, we've been able to refer our users to uh, one of these services. Um, oftentimes, they will contract with someone who has experienced a loss, and um, they will agree to uh, a fee on recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they will partner with law enforcement. They'll monitor the transactions for years, if need be, mm. um, until the perpetrator, you know, moves the funds, you know, years down the, the line. They can still continue to track it and try to attribute it to an exchange at some point. And then, you know, they can tell law enforcement. Law enforcement can subpoena the exchange for the information and try to further their investigation. Uh, we have had some recoveries. Um, in one instance, a roommate stole from uh, their roommate's about computer, one. and it was a yeah. lot of money. So, you know that there there are some instances where they're really helpful to the community as well, and we're always ready to you know recommend a, a you know a solution for someone who's experienced a loss and is willing to enter into one of these agreements. Yeah, and so to sort of summarize the partnership thing it's basically like dash being listed on coinbase 
and people getting mad because if Coinbase reports people to the IRS and be like, why does Dash partner with this organization that works with the IRS? It's like, well, it just Dash is like supported by this this company and proactively got supported by it rather than reactively. And it's not like, you know, Dash Core Group is like using them to like help track down everyone and throw them into cages or whatever else <laughs> no um <laughs> so i mean if you don't like those services don't use them you're under mm -hmm. no obligation to use coinbase mm -hmm. um but generally you know there's a good number uh, or good share of the community that does want to use coinbase for whatever reason and so you know it, it's all about choice and the more choices you have i think the better it is for the consumer um you know, some people appreciate the convenience of Coinbase. Some people appreciate the user interface of Coinbase. Some people appreciate the fact that Coinbase is regulated. You know, mm -hmm. some, some people fall in that camp. So, you know, we're, we're going to try and bring whatever services are popular within the crypto space and, and try and make sure that Dash is a part of it. Yeah. And so like wrapping up the whole privacy type thing, uh, it's, Obviously, Dash started out as a coin with this one claim to fame was that it added, you know, the coin join functionality that made things easier to keep private. And since then, has pivoted to other things, uh, but was still kind of lumped into the privacy coin category. And we've already gone over ad nauseum how ridiculous the idea of a privacy coin is as opposed yeah. to you know, anything else. Uh, but recently, because of, as we mentioned, the regulatory pressures or just the you know the the misconceptions it seems like dash or at least dash core group has pivoted has pushed harder on the we're not really a privacy coin we're we can do the same thing on bitcoin and do you think that that in retrospect was that always a good idea and with the context of for example privacy is a human right and a lot of people are doubling down on that kind of messaging and also because the market lumped dash into the privacy coin, privacy coin moniker saying like, oh no we're not really a privacy coin to some of the market the uninformed aspects of the market might say oh we're nothing then dump dash because we're nothing we're not even the one thing that the market thought that we did kind of thing so with that as a backdrop con uh, contextual backdrop in retrospect was it a good idea to take the path that we've we've gone on well i think that uh Dash was the first with a non-custodial coin join solution. Mm -hmm. um, at this point, we're not even close to the only one with that functionality. Basically, mm -hmm. every network has a coin join solution of some type. Yeah. Um, all of them solve the issue of does the coordinating server know who I am in a different way? Mm -hmm. We solve it by sending the coin join through multiple parties because you're using multiple masternodes for multiple rounds and it's effective um, but for us to be receiving separate treatment from the regulator and separate treatment from the exchanges as a result uh, what we're asking for is a level playing field on that we mm -hmm. we believe that our coin join implementation is a good one it is it has many advantages to it um, but from a legal standpoint, there's no differentiating between various coin join implementations as far as uh, 
the regulators are concerned. And what we're pushing back against is, according to their own definitions, we're not a privacy mm -hmm. coin. So they have gone through four definitions within the US market of what a privacy coin is. And we've pointed out to them four times that they described something that Dash isn't. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's, it's gotten to the point now where it's just absurd that they mm -hmm. continue to try. It's like trying to back into your decision with logic and they can't find a way to do it. And so, you know, what we're arguing is that A, it's absurd to try and come up with a binary label for what a privacy coin is or isn't. Yeah. There's so much that goes into a pri to, to a user's privacy and that includes their own behavior on mm, the network. A lot of that. And it's whose privacy is protected, under what circumstances, uh, you know, is it the sender, is it the receiver? Are there view keys that can be shared? Are there, is there other information that can be shared within or outside of the network to, um, you know, provide additional transparency to the people that you're transacting with? Uh, you know, I could go on and on. Does it matter what the behavior of other users are? In coin joins, it certainly does, right? Like if other, coin join participants that you're in a coin join with end up, you know, de-anonymizing themselves through their own actions, it reduces the level of privacy that I've experienced from those mix mixing rounds. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that th there's just this huge disconnect between why are we even doing this? Uh, this it, labeling something a one or a zero doesn't mean that, you know, suddenly we can just delist all the quote privacy coins and continue listing everything that isn't a privacy coin supposedly and problem solved everybody likes a yeah. simple answer but unfortunately they're they're slowly coming to the realization that it's not nearly that simple yeah yeah definitely especially since if you can use let's just say bitcoin and then the lightning network and you know obviously the utxo model with multiple addresses but then also Lightning Network, which is completely not on chain, not really subject to the same analytics. And then you compare that with something like, let's say Ethereum, which just has one address, right? It's account-based, it's not UTXO-based, just one, which is just in there, there's a giant privacy gap, but yeah. Uh, well, let me, let me be clear about one thing. We plan to continue to enhance privacy. Mm -hmm. There have been a lot of innovations since we last made a major overhaul to CoinJoin. Mm -hmm. and. I think that it, this is an industry trend. Every coin is moving in the direction of privacy coin and we should be moving in that direction too. And I don't say, you know, the government's definition of a privacy coin, but people value privacy and there's important mm -hmm. reasons for it. And the entire industry has been moving in this direction. And, um, you know, if, if they're gonna treat us like one anyway, at some point we might as well incorporate some of the great work that has gone on within the space. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I wish the, the regulator could tell us what exactly is it about our coin join implementation that is so unbelievably concerning that, that they feel the need to focus on Dash and name Dash specifically in their guidance. Yeah. And they have not been able to articulate that because they don't understand it. I yeah. know they don't understand it because I talk to them and 
they're under the perception that CoinJoin happens on every transaction, or they're under the perception that uh, CoinJoin makes transactions non-viewable. They, mm -hmm. they don't even have a basic, you know, one day understanding of what they're regulating. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, that's for sure, especially with like crazy questions, as you <laughs> mentioned on Twitter about like, give us all your customers. Uh, it's not quite that simple. Uh, yeah. So if you pivot, pivot to the um, biz dev and marketing kind of side of things. So I remember, I mean, obviously during the 2017 to 2019 era, I did a lot of work personally on Dash News, which reported a bunch of stuff coming out. And it was almost like every week there was two to three announcements or integrations coming out. It was like hard to keep up with. And I you know, made giant recap posts about you know, everyone is integrating Dash, all these partnerships, all this kind of stuff. And then obviously that that coincides with market cycles to a certain extent. But in the last, like, let's just say year or so, like year, year and a half, there's been very relatively few of those kinds of things coming out. So uh, basically, first off, like what has, what are the major things that DCG BizDev has been working on? What are some of those major things? And is... For the slowdown, is it just a perception issue? Is it also like an understaffing issue? Is it those as well as just the market ranking kind of thing where now it's just harder to get more people to pay attention to Dash and stuff like that? So yeah, what is it? So uh, I, I think that there's a few things going on in parallel. Mm -hmm. um, one is, yeah, we, we have, we, we've had two people on business development recently. Mm -hmm. so when you know times got hard that was one of the areas that took the brunt of the hit mm -hmm. and um obviously you need people there doing reach outs working with the partners you know trying to reach a contractual agreement and um trying to support them to to get through the the onboarding process so um you know just having fewer staff is is part of the issue um we have recently uh expanded the team we just hired uh another business development person. So we're back up to three. Um, we used to have more than that, but you know, getting back up to three, I think will help to accelerate some things. Um, two, we've pivoted a bit. It's not about quantity, it's about quality. And we did a lot of integrations that were announced and you know, we were integrated, but they didn't lead anywhere. There were a lot of smaller exchanges. Uh, there were a lot mm. of, um, you know, services that, that had, you know, a hand, you know, a good number of crypto oriented users, but weren't really going to help us expand to non crypto type users. Mm -hmm. um, we had a lot of individual integrations, like we, we were announcing, hey, you know, Church's Chicken or something like that, right? Yeah. And granted, they had 17 locations, but you, you, you get the drift. And, and yeah. there were a lot of them like that. And what we've shifted to is targeting harder to get, but more impactful integrations. So, um, you know, we just made this announcement that BitFi um, mm -hmm. has integrated us into Brazil, uh, into their platform into Brazil. And they allow for your crypto to be spent at anywhere Cielo is accepted. Cielo is the equivalent, I think, of uh, Visa. Um, okay. And they're a merchant acquirer slash network at the same time. So 
um, basically, uh, you know, 1.5 million locations that you could now uh, leverage BitFi to, to spend your Dash. Um, mm. That solves a huge number of, uh, you know, access issues in, in, in one integration. Yeah, Something like that takes more effort. And uh, actually, that one came through the diff. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, uh, the business development team is focused more on the larger impact ones. Um, another example is, you know, we've been working on some payroll solutions, um, ways for people to earn Dash natively so that the friction is now getting out of Dash and into fiat as opposed to the other way around. Mm -hmm. um, there are some services in Venezuela that we've been targeting and building there. There's some that we're getting licensed for the first time. We have some uh, small businesses on it now, and we're moving up to some medium-sized businesses um, in the near future as we kind of develop the, the product. Um, you know, Dash Direct was a, a partnership between three parties. It was uh, the Dash Investment Foundation, uh, Dash Core Group, and uh, Crepe to bring that to market. That's a, a lot larger project than just integrating mm -hmm. with some website or some new betting platform or something. Like, yeah. it's just a lot more work. You're building an entire product mm -hmm. and uh, you're building apps, you're building backends, you're doing like a lot more work, but the reward is much larger. And so I want to be more strategic about where we're spending our time. If you look back at the decks from two years ago on some of the integrations we got, yeah, there were a lot of them, but how many of them really moved the needle for us as users? How many of them really moved the needle for transactions, for merchant access? And I think you'll find the answer is, yeah, there, there, there were a lot of like, uh, a lot of these, but they, they weren't necessarily very strategic. They didn't fit together into any of the other pieces. And n now we've got a real ecosystem, I'd say, that we're trying to expand upon. Yeah, so that kind of runs into the um, the Venezuela question. And I remember one of the... Uh, Dash hit this giant hype bubble in 2017. Of course, it just, you know, a lot of good work came out of it too. But it was also just, well... Venezuela and, you know, platform being thought of to be in the very near future, of course, you know, delays happen and didn't turn out quite like that. But the Venezuela part was a big part of like the hype thing. And uh, obviously Dash has put a lot of effort into Venezuela. And just like just yesterday, I was uh, working with someone down there to get a, you know, a video made of like buying something at a local local shop and stuff. And it's clearly that it's worked as far as getting large retailers and things like that to accept it now what doesn't seem to be as apparent of course you know it's hard to to prove these kinds of things at all but it doesn't seem to be as apparent that there is a ton of consumer demand slash activity going through these or at least it hasn't been reported if it is so first off do you think that this the hardcore focus on venezuela over the last few years has been the right thing to do in retrospect and second are there what are the prospects like or the challenges for getting a lot more, you know, consumer activation at merchants and like really pumping up transaction numbers, you know, organically through actual use? Yeah. Um, well, I don't think we've 
succeeded in Venezuela yet. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I think we've succeeded at some things and we've learned a lot. Mm. And I still believe in the use case in Venezuela. And what we have seen, the successes we have had, let's, let's name those. Mm -hmm. um, we've managed to get Dash accepted at quite a number of retailers and quite a number of brand name retailers. So it is well recognized. Um, merchants recognize it. Um, and we've got, you know, an ecosystem that is usable down there. It includes mm -hmm. pharmacies, it includes clothing stores, department stores, it includes groceries, two, two major grocery store chains. So, you know, it is a usable uh, currency down there, probably more so than any other. And um, what we find is at those locations, Dash is the most used cryptocurrency. I think we got some reports um, from one of the grocery store chains. We're now at 49% of all their transactions, which is obviously more than any other crypto on, on mm -hmm. in their stores. And it's up to, you know, into the many hundreds of transactions a month. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's still a very small percentage of their total, but it's very clear that if Venezuela is to, you know, continue its transition into cryptocurrencies, we are the leader there. Mm -hmm. And so I, I continue to believe that, you know, it's a good place to continue to invest for the long term. And this, but here's the challenge. Here's what yeah. we found is getting merchants isn't as hard. And that's where we put all of our early effort was in getting. Oh, I, I remember that the thousands and thousands trying to add them to discover dash and, you know, legit merchants too. Yeah. And, and getting merchants is not the hard part. And what we discovered is, okay, we created this ecosystem, but there aren't that many people that are actually using it. There, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we see the transaction counts and they, they remain quite low. So how do you get people to actually acquire it? Well, right now, in order to acquire it, you have to go to an ATM, you have to, uh, you know, meet people for an exchange of cash. You have to, you know, go on local cryptos. You have to do all these things. And the difficult part, and it's difficult and expensive, is to acquire it. And yeah, of course. Once people have dollars or something else that's widely circulating, they don't have a strong incentive. They're not getting a discount at the merchant. They're not, you know, not the way that that Venezuela is set up. Um, and so, you know, there there aren't a lot of incentives to go through that friction. So, we're we're doing something with that knowledge. We're now. Mm -hmm you know, creating these payroll systems where it solves problems for both the merchant and the employee. Um, and now the employee is beginning to earn Dash natively. Now the friction is going the other way. Now I might as well just spend my Dash. Mm -hmm. And the, the employers are viewing this as a employee benefit. Hey, we're not gonna hand you a bunch of boulevards that you're gonna have to go out this afternoon and spend before they depreciate. Yeah. We're going to give you a currency that gives you the flexibility to, to do your shopping when you want, and you aren't going to have that change issue. 
Now, they're not going to pay their whole payroll in Dash, but we're, we're going to start somewhere. Their bonuses, mm-hmm. uh, 10% of their payroll, things like that. And, and now there's benefit for the employee or employer. They've got a benefit they can offer their employees and make their employees want to work for them. There's a benefit for the employees, and there's a benefit for the merchants. Now the merchants are seeing more Dash transactions relative to others. Mm-hmm. So I think you know we are still seeing growth there. <laughs> you know, yeah. A crypto buyer, for example, saw 25% growth since the beginning of the year. That that's nothing to sneeze at. People are beginning to use crypto more and more, and we're beginning to capture a larger and larger share of that as people experience the different networks. So I can't say it's a mistake. I, at the same mm-hmm. time, I can't say that we've, we've been fully successful in Venezuela. We've been more successful than anybody else. And I think if there's a place in the world where crypto is likely to take hold, it seems like Venezuela is the place. Yeah, except maybe countries where it's mandated by law and stuff. But <laughs> that's a discussion for a, yeah, a different, that's a whole, for a different yeah. time. Yeah, and obviously it's it's like a it's a very difficult problem and, you know, a lot of things have been solved. A lot of things have been learned from. And yeah, that's the consumer. Driving consumers to it is like the ultimate, you know, barrier, the ultimate last thing to be solved. Uh, and like on that note, so we had among the payment related cryptocurrency, among the competitors, that has experienced some of the better and more consistent transaction count growth over the last few years. And sometimes when I look back at like 2017 or whatever, just how few transactions there were. It's just like, wow, like compared to the price, compared to the hype, compared to all that. And then like at the bottom of the bear market, stuff still kept on creeping up. And then uh, the the illusion bubble popped sort of in the last, over the summer, right about the same time as the hash rate dropped, as in China started to move, started to get out of the mining business. Somewhere around yeah. that time, there's a sharp drop in the transaction numbers, and they kind of have not really recovered very much. And so it's clearly some kind of a system or service or whatever that was producing small transactions regularly. We still, as far as I know, we still haven't figured out what it was. But it seems like there has not necessarily been that same level of transaction level growth that we thought, at least, you know, from some perspectives. So any thoughts on why that kind of happened? Um, you know, I, it's, it's only hypotheses. I don't yeah. know that I've seen any analysis and, you know, that, that would confirm any of these. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the correlation with uh, the changes in China is certainly one hypothesis. Perhaps, um, you know, there was a crypto miner in China that was sending out transactions to every single one of their uh, you know, miners or a mining pool that was doing mm-hmm. that, um, you know, every time they found a block or something. Uh, yeah. It could also be uh, that someone was using Dash as a data storage mechanism to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, store hashes or something like that, um, you know, with microtransactions. It could be that there was a microtransaction use case out there that was leveraging Dash. And mm-hmm. as Dash's price crept up in 2021, they kind of made a decision to pivot somewhere else. It could also be that someone was trying to manipulate our numbers. We specifically moved to um, uh, reporting the median number of transactions instead of the mean number of transactions Mm -hmm. per day. 
uh, precisely because it was too easy for someone to blast out a bunch of transactions and get uh, yeah. the number way up there. And so we switched to median because then you'd have to do that every single day for 90 days in order to, you know, get the yeah. median to, to come up significantly. And so we, we, we tried to make our metrics uh, more difficult for anyone in the, you know, in the community to try and game those a little bit. Maybe that finally caught up with them. I don't know where they just mm -hmm. couldn't do it anymore. I, I kind of, if it was manipulation, I really wish they wouldn't have done it because um, now we don't, you know, it, it, there's, there's information in the noise and mm -hmm. now it's hard to extract the actual information. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, maybe we were growing that entire time and, you know, we just, had a, a a view that was too high of a growth rate than reality would would suggest or maybe we did see a slowdown followed by growth mm -hmm. at this point you know unless someone is able to come up with a, a, an analysis that uh is relatively conclusive about what that activity was how long it went on what type of you know how many transactions it was and could separate that noise out then we could get a much better picture but i, I have a feeling that's a full-time job for somebody for three to six months to try and decipher all of that that that's extremely complicated yeah so yeah it seems like just that data is a it's more of a noise metric than in like a real metric and the real metrics are more for example the crypto buyer rates of purchases with dash or dash direct purchases, either total amounts or, you know, total number of transactions or total um, purchase amounts and stuff. It seems like those are the ones we have to move to these days, right? Well, I mean, I still think most transactions are probably between exchanges or between individuals or between mm -hmm. individuals and exchanges. And, uh, you know, those aren't going to be captured in any of these services that you're describing. But uh, mm -hmm. certainly, you know, there should be a, a strong correlation there, I would assume. Um, you know, one thing I did notice is that the median transaction size jumped as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in the July period, at the same time that the number of transactions was were dropping. And what that indicates is that the transactions that went away tended to be quite small. Mm -hmm. And so the amount of economic activity running across our network was not impacted very much. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I think that these tended to be very small uh, transactions and there just happened to be a lot of them. So, it, you know, we do report on a lot of different metrics on our quarterly calls for mm -hmm. this reason, right? No one metric tells you the full story. And, you know, you have to really look across all of them to see is growth occurring or not. And, mm -hmm. you know, across other metrics, we, we were also growing. So, you know, <laughs> UTXOs and, and um, uh, you know, vo payment volume and a number of other things, you know, we, we, we track all of it so that you can get a fuller picture. You're not dependent on any one. I really do like median transaction count, though, because I think, you know, it, it is a, a highly relevant metric. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely oh. one thing I've noticed, like with Dogecoin was having like 40 to 50,000 per day. And then ever since they became popular, they're down at like the 10 to 15,000 per day level, possibly because the price made the feeds 
like priced out some use cases and stuff. And then you have things like Bitcoin Cash. I don't know exactly how much they usually do, but then they have giant spikes for a long time. And then after a few months, it goes down. Uh, basically, it's one of those things where a lot of uh, a lot of transaction data, when it's not at capacity, when you can, there's basically tons of room. It's harder to really because anyone could just kind of kick those out and it doesn't cost them. You know, that seems yeah. to be the thing. the The not at capacity uh, data is not nearly as reliable, especially on a decentralized network like Dash, where you can't actually tell who's behind each transaction. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh... It's very much guesswork. And even when I'm looking at some of the other networks and the growth experience that they have, and I start asking around and it's like, oh, this new game launched and there's a transaction mm -hmm. for every move you make in the game. And there's, you know, tens of thousands of gamers every day. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know, those aren't real use of the currency per se that that's using it as a database. So, you know, I, I think that, uh, I think you have to look at a variety of metrics to get a fuller mm -hmm. picture and, you know, some of these services, like, you know, we, I just today got a, uh, my own access to, to Crepe's, uh, backend reporting, and I can start to see, you know, transactions on the, on the, um, uh, like volumes and basically their dashboard mm -hmm. so that I can see what's happening. And when we get services like that, we can see the effects that it has when we, you know, run an ad campaign or something like that, that we're going to start to do for Dash Direct to try and reach new users. Yeah. Um, how many new account signups did we experience during the week that we ran a Facebook ad campaign? So, mm -hmm. you know, we'll, we'll start to, you know, experiment with some of those things and see how we can grow the number of users because that is a product that is appealing to people outside yeah. of Dash and even outside of crypto. Um, yeah. I've definitely seen, uh, I've definitely seen some kind of a, I, and like for lack, like I'm a big bit refill user I have for a long time. I've used other products and services. I've spent Dash locally. People use it and then they like it, but there's not this stickiness that like keeps them going. And I have noticed that with Dash Direct. It seems like in the differences, practical differences between bit refill and Dash Direct are not that significant. But it's just like the tipping point of like, it's kind of not worth it to now it's worth it. And there's so many people I know, like, I don't know if you ever check out on, um, if you go to Twitter and check out C4 Chaos, he's a, I don't know if he still is, but he was a Masternode operator before. And I he's, love following that guy. He's yeah every day. If you're watching, doing watch him. He, he's, he's, he's out there spending his dash and replenishing it. And I love it. Yes. And putting like Cardano swapping that over so we can use it and stuff and just other coins. It's pretty, it's pretty fun. But, um, that reminds me. So on the dash direct, it seems like one service has made dash so much more useful than dozens combined in the past. And I mean, obviously it's U S only for now that can hopefully change. There's a, the, the proposals going through and all that kind of stuff. Um, it seems to be basically like, now Dash has the advantage over any other coin in practical sense, for the most part. Anything that's not fiat, you know, that you can just use it anywhere and it's non-custodial, non-KYC, and it's great. Now, first mover advantage is an only mover advantage, right? It's like you have it until you don't. And so Dash can rest on its laurels for, you know, who knows, six months, eight months or something, and then all of a sudden it's being left in the dust again. What's, what's next 
to solidify this kind of this use case? What's the next killer app or direction after Dash Direct that's being kind of pursued to to give that like no one does digital cash like us kind of a thing? Yeah. Um, first, I, I think the exact user experience of Dash Direct is going to be really tough for other networks to replicate because mm -hmm. it's non-custodial. Um, mm -hmm. No other coin is uh, as fast. And so you look at comparable services like Flexa, you have to deposit your crypto ahead of time. You can't mm -hmm. withdraw it. It's mm -hmm. no longer your funds, basically, at that point. The only thing you can do with it is spend it. And you can never get a balance of zero because, you know, if you, mm -hmm. I spend $5 and I have $5.57 worth of crypto, I end up with $0.57 cents worth of crypto. Well, yeah. where am I going to spend $0.57? Cents? So, you know, you're, you're, you're never able to fully utilize whatever you send to them. And, um, you know, it, it, th that's not the same user experience. On top of that, they only have... They claim to have 41,000 merchant locations, but uh, if you add up those same merchants in Dash Direct, it doesn't account for 41,000. So I don't know where they get their number, but um, but uh, nothing else matches it right now. And we're out there expanding the network. Mm -hmm. um, there's going to be uh, another major merchant announcement coming on Friday, next Friday. Uh, mm -hmm. It's one that I'm absolutely certain everyone will be very happy with. So um, uh, look out for that. But we've got more than 40 coming in the next month. And these are Dash and Direct ones, right? These are Dash Direct ones, yeah. And mm. so, uh, you know, we're, we're going to continue to try to pull ahead. That's what we're going to try and do mm -hmm. um, with a product that really can't be replicated without some centralized service uh, provider, um, you know, depositing your funds with it. Um, yeah. The, the other aspect is Dash Direct, they have, Crepe has uh, uh, a lot of uh, patents on the technology, so it can't easily be replicated outside of their ecosystem. Um, they have patents on the instant issuance of digital gift cards to a user's phone paid for with cryptocurrency or with uh, credit mm -hmm. cards. So, you know, you know, there there are some defenses there that they have, um, and so uh, you know we we do have this advantage and and we plan to exploit it. What we've been doing up till this point is largely focusing on our, our own community getting to use it, and as we start to see the the rate of adoption start to taper off within our own community, that's when we know it's time to to start to uh, move to you know new new people we've never reached before. Mm -hmm. um, and starting to to target them with with ad campaigns and things. So, I have seen a willingness of people outside the Dash community to try it and use it. And if you go back to 2016 to answer the question, finally, mm -hmm. just just went yeah, on a, a bit of a tangent there. But to answer the question more directly, back in 2016, before I was even a member of the team or mm -hmm. you know whatever, I I I gave a presentation at um uh the miami bitcoin conference and basically said there's three things that you need for adoption and you you need at least two of them um in order to to have a a chance at mm -hmm. at supplanting other payment types 
and they are switching incentives. And number two is um, uh, user experience. Mm -hmm. And right now, crypto can't match the user experience of centralized services. And that includes Bitcoin and Dash. I would say Dash has improved on the user experience in terms of its speed, but I should be able to send a friend request to you and never have to request another address from you again, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and that that becomes a problem when I, I'm when my dad owes me money, I make him pay me in dash. <laughs> mm -hmm. But in order for him to do that, I have to provide him an address or whatever. And he doesn't always keep track of them or whatever. He's like, well, I think you sent it to me in an email. I can't find it. It's a pain <laughs> and it yeah. shouldn't be that way. So I think with Dash Direct and solutions like it, we can build. I want to get Dash Direct in more markets, right? Of course, uh, but the Europeans have that, been very noisy. <laughs> yeah, I can't blame them. I love it. It's mm -hmm. I use it all the time, and so do a lot of people at this point. But uh, I I want to to get that into more markets because that has switching incentives. I save five percent. I've mm -hmm. saved something like two hundred dollars so far. I think, um, it, and that starts to add up to some real money. So. Uh, you know, that is a switching incentive versus credit cards. And then, uh, you know, what's next? It's getting usernames on the network and getting mm -hmm. that usability factor up there. It should be every bit as easy to use as PayPal or Venmo or anything else that you use today. And we are achingly close on that front. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we, we got version 0 0.21 of platform working on uh, our DevNet this week. So next step is we're, we're making sure it's stable. We always give it one week. Uh, and as long as it stays stable, uh, we're releasing to testnet version 0 0.21. As a reminder, version 0 0.23 is our release candidate to mainnet. Mm -hmm. so Very close. We have basically two major security features left to complete mm -hmm. uh, and that will be a product that we're we're ready to you know <laughs> test and deploy to mainnet so we're achingly close and it's great having these two things start to come together now because yeah i think now you're going to have that ease of use and the incentive to use it mm -hmm. and that's when i think we're really going to be able to test are people willing to use their crypto so what was the third uh, the third thing? You mentioned there's three. You have to have at least two of the three. Yeah, the third is, is security. And it usually isn't one of the two that a new payment type enables. But PayPal mm -hmm. was one of them. Mm -hmm. PayPal leveraged um, ease of use and they leveraged um, uh, security as their main messages to the market. Yeah. Because they were competing at a time when entering your secure, your credit card number online was pretty scary. So uh, <laughs> it still is, if you ask me. But you know, I, I don't have a credit card number. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot more scary back then mm -hmm. because you didn't even know what level of security people had in place. And um, so, you know, that's that's the a distant third that sometimes is used as a mechanism. I would argue for cryptocurrency it really has a hard time being security among the th the the two that you select out of those three and the reason isn't because the transaction isn't secure it is it's 
completely mm -hmm. non-reversible. But at the same time, that's largely the problem for the consumer. Mm -hmm. uh, the consumer is spending uh, a transaction that can't be reversed and they don't have any protections on that. So if the merchant fails to deliver, you know, they're actually out funds. They're dependent mm -hmm. on the merchant to be an honest one. Now, when I'm buying from Best Buy or something like that, I'm very comfortable that yeah. they will honor their commitment when I make a purchase. But, uh, you know, if I'm making a purchase from some small website I've never heard of before on online, I'm probably going to be a little more cautious about sending them the equivalent of cash. So, um, you know, I, 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 I don't think that should be the one that we try to compete on. I think we compete on those first two, usability and switching incentives. And I should mention as far as like the security and the switching incentives bit, but the security part, a lot of people are afraid in certain countries, maybe not the US today, but a lot of countries are afraid of the security of the money in their bank account. And I do, I know friends that at the beginning of last year were trying to make like cash withdrawals and were denied from their bank because, you know, the banks are severely limiting those for fear of like a bank run during like pandemic panic and stuff. And so the security of having your money and not just someone else has all your money is a thing that I think that no one cares too much about today with Dash, except for crazy people like me. But when the world gets as crazy as I am, then all of a sudden we'll start to see that, you know, security benefit for Dash. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I don't think any one model is going to go away. I think some people would worry about uh, their own ability to keep their, their funds secure and not, lose them and make sure that they're backed up properly and all of that and would prefer their funds with a custodial service. There's obvious disadvantages to that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think some people are likely to, to actually view it the other way. Again, I think the key here is to offer choices. Yeah. And for myself, I'm very comfortable custodying my own funds in a very secure fashion. Um, where, you know, I, I think there's a learning curve there, though. And mm. uh, not everybody is going to want to go through that learning curve. So I, I think, you know, you provide people choices and education, they're going to choose the solution that's best for them. Um, yeah, I think more people are going to become crazy like you. I yeah. didn't used to be crazy. And I'm starting to get crazier as time goes on. <laughs> so yeah, uh, well, you maybe know that's too a function much. of life experience. Maybe that's a function of dealing with the government constantly. Yeah, um, I mean, it would make a it make a <laughs> a practical anarchist out of a lot of people from dealing with the government the way we do. But uh, you're mentioning this about we're talking about switching incentives, and crypto has struggled for adoption for years as far as what we think, which is the buy your coffee with your little phone, like that kind of thing. What it has not struggled in is adoption as far as people knowing about it, people having exposure to it, and people holding and buying it. And I think that's pretty interesting with the switching incentive. The switching incentive for crypto a lot of times is is in the holding, right? Is that the incentive is you're not losing purchasing power to the degree, unless a short period of time maybe, but on the long haul, you're not losing purchasing power like you are with you know, any fiat pick your fiat. And so one thing I have noticed also is 
people who have crypto now they want to spend it and it's like what's the switching incentive to go back to fiat it's the only way they can spend it right but when people have crypto they're much much more likely to spend and in almost every case where i see these people using dash direct prolifically like all over the place has been there's another there's other unbanked people living off crypto like me that i know of who are racking up giant <laughs> dash direct you know spending sprees there's a lot of masternode holders there's new dash people who are buying in stuff there's people who hold other coins that are like oh great i just swap it over for dash i can spend it like yeah. a key part seems to be you have crypto and then it's just so much easier to get into it. that's like the, the chicken or the egg problem that yeah. being said uh has any the thing that people are into all the rage these days and for very good reason they used to like bitcoin for number go up because you get it and you know it outperforms fiat but then people got into DeFi and staking and things like that and then if you can't make returns like you know we're talking about like the coinbase earn stuff and all the other stuff if you can't make returns on your coins easily then like there's there's not the incentive to acquire them in the first place so that that as a preface to is there any ideas of easy or prospects for easy one click like savings account type solutions whether you know it's a custodial or a non-custodial whatever but basically for like a while people get the dash wallet the username one of course that's the one everyone's going to want and then they just get to put in savings and get returns into their wallet that then they can spend their their income right on dash is there any prospects or thought of getting something like that super well integrated into the wallet oh yeah so um there's something that we've already been working on and this is uh, mm -hmm. out there already is um we're we're working uh with thorchain to integrate dash into thorchain which is decentralized exchange mm -hmm. one of the roles you can play in, in in that decentralized exchange is liquidity provider so you can earn returns on dash as a liquidity provider within the short thorchain and you're providing a valuable service. You're providing inventory for people to swap in and out. And um, uh, that is a completely decentralized solution. Um, and we have basically completed it. It's not Dash Core Group. I don't want to take credit. Mm -hmm. This is uh, Ash Francis's yeah. team that has been driving the 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 uh, a creation yeah. of it. But through, through what the we'd incubator, love to be able I to do. Remember what we'd love to be able to do is enable the user to uh, activate that from their Dash wallet. Mm -hmm. um, we're in the early stages of investigating what it would take to code a solution like that. But, um, you know, basically deposit, earn returns. And when you're ready to withdraw it and spend it, you can withdraw it from the ThorChain, um, which would take a little bit of time, but, you know, minutes, not hours. Mm -hmm. And uh, it could be back in your spending wallet. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there are solutions out there that aren't dependent on centralized exchanges that we can provide. Um, there are um, discussions as well and have been for a long time. It just hasn't been the priority is, um, you know, masternode shares. There are some mm -hmm. ideas about how to implement those that Sam has talked about recently, our CTO. Mm -hmm. um, and you know we'll, we'll be exploring those uh probably next year 
to figure out if there's a way to provide pure staking as opposed to liquidity providing. Mm -hmm. The more options we have for people to earn rewards for holding Dash, um, the more that's actually going to raise the bar for everything else. If we can integrate liquidity providing and you can earn 40% doing liquidity providing, we might see fewer masternodes as they yeah. you know, switch their masternodes over to providing liquidity. Mm -hmm. um, and what that would mean is even if you're a masternode holder and you take no action uh, to take advantage of these rates somewhere else, your rates are probably going to go up Mm -hmm. uh, simply because some of the other masternode owners are shifting some of their their uh, assets into liquidity providing. So if we can provide more options to the user, whether it's masternode shares or you know staking on decentralized networks or anything mm -hmm. else, it's going to benefit all of us, even if you don't directly take advantage of those things. And the great part about decentralized solutions is we don't have to worry about whether or not they have a license in the United States or in the EU or where, you know, what kind of coverage right now we have uphold in the wallet and it doesn't cover globally. And then mm -hmm. we integrated liquid and it doesn't cover globally. And there, there are no centralized global solutions. So, mm -hmm. you know, these de decentralized solutions are great because they're going to allow people to swap and they're going to allow people to, to essentially stake uh, those coins for, for a return. Yeah. And that's one thing. I've noticed is like all all roads lead to Asgard, right? All all roads seem to lead to Thor Chain. As far as it seems to be one thing that solves a lot of problems with Dash in one fell swoop. And I, I remember when I first heard about Thor Chain, I got really excited. And I don't I probably can't take credit for bringing it to Dash because there was a few excited people, but I was one of the first people saying, "Everyone, stop everything right now. Get on this stuff right away. We need to be on this." Now, as far as, but ThorChain just, again, we're talking about decentralization and ThorChain, while decentralized, is one of many DeFi or DEX kind of solutions. How much exploration has there been into getting into others? For example, and I know a lot of these things are wrapped, like, you know, Rendash is something that's been explored. I don't know how well that's going, but a lot, like, for example, uh, the Decred DEX is essentially, again, I haven't used it, but I've heard it's like an atomic dex that's like a trustless atomic swap kind of a thing and stuff like 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 that but other dexes what's been the prospects of dash getting into those or how much has been researched or is it still mostly just like a mainly thorchain kind of a thing well you know we obviously have limited capacity to mm -hmm. you know do new things and integrate new things into the wallet and do all of that uh you know I agree with you. When I saw mm -hmm. ThorChain and saw the number of people that were excited about it and were pointing me to it, I started yeah. to explore it myself. Um, and you know, Hillaway was a, a big uh, yeah. proponent of it and pushing for for us to take a look at that over at the Dash Investment Foundation. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I think conversations between the Dash Investment Foundation and and the community started to occur to say, hey, who could actually build this thing? Um, you know, I, I agree that it is very exciting for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. Usability being the top of the list. Um, yeah. A lot of these other solutions out there, yes, they technically are capable of doing a sw atomic swap, but atomic swaps are hard to coordinate. 
You have mm -hmm. to find someone else who wants to trade the same thing as you, and they need to be able to want to do it in the same quantity as you. So one mm -hmm. of the two of you is only going to be able to do part of your trade mm -hmm. uh, that you desire. And so like, I'm on the lookout for projects that are high on the ease of use factor, because if they're not, they're not mm -hmm. the long-term solution. They're not what people are going to use in the long term. And so you can expend a lot of energy to get a few nerds that really like to use it, but you're not going to get to the mainstream. And, uh, you know, I, I think ease of use is one of the filters that I would apply to anything that we look at. Yeah. We don't have anything else currently underway. Um, <clears throat> but I think once ThorChain is integrated and working well, and we've built out the solutions that can be built with it, I think mm -hmm. it, it behooves us to continue looking because, you know, we don't want to put all, all of our eggs in one basket. And second, you know, there can be security concerns. The network, no, you know, there have been in fact right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I think that those issues will get worked out, but you certainly don't want all your eggs in one basket. You want to provide choice, but I don't think we want to integrate everything. <laughs> you know, I think it's important to have, or rather we volume, don't want to spend uh, resource and focus on integrating everything. Yeah, if everybody's going to use service A, why put the effort into service B um, that hardly anybody's going to use? So I, mm -hmm. I think we want to direct our resources towards things that really expand the capabilities of the network. Yeah, well, for sure. And I I can easily imagine that a username Dash wallet with a ThorChain staking option in it combined with Dash Direct once the you know, MasterCard thingy comes out with that is kind of like the sweet killer app combination of like, you get your savings account type thing. You get your your return on staking. You can then use it, send it around easily, and then you can spend it anywhere. It seems like that that's like the holy grail. We got one of those three things or half, I would say, Dash Direct is halfway to where we're talking about. You got half of one of those things out. And once Thorchain gets out, that's another one. And it's also half because it's not in the wallet yet. And then, of course, usernames are not out yet, but when they are, all those things are just coming together, you know, and like so close, right? Yeah. And every one of these things takes a hundred times more effort than you think it does from the outside. I wish it didn't. I, yeah. I wish it didn't because, you know, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, sure. Just go do X and like it, mm -hmm. just, just integrate Thorchain. It's like, the, the amount of effort that goes into something like that is incredible. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and it's it's not just one, everybody working on it sees their one small piece. It's like the diff supervisors worked on, you know, vetting it and, and figuring out, you know, how much do we want to allocate towards making sure that we, you know, get uh, uh, integrated as a liquidity pool and, and uh, you know, finding the developers and the developer puts in a ton of efforts. And then, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the ThorChain team has to put in a ton of effort to review the code and do the pull requests and do all of that type of thing. And that's before we even get to integrating it into our own services and wallets and uh, marketing mm -hmm. it and doing all of these things. Like it is just a monumental effort. And that's one that's like built for crypto. Yeah. Now you get into something like CrayPay, we've been working on that since 2018. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, uh, you know, and, and it really, you know, late last year finally started to snowball into something that we could 
see the light at the end of the tunnel and really started putting a lot of effort behind it. But, you know, getting even part of the capabilities of a network up and running are just huge efforts involving so many team members over long periods of time. And from the outside, you see, oh, there's, you know, great, we got an announcement this week. And it's like, yeah, oh, we've been working on it for years. <laughs> well, that's one thing that I've been personally trying to help a lot with is making the one announcement that's huge into a bunch of smaller announcements, like getting videos done of people in every U.S. state spending you know, dash direct and stuff like that. It just, so the, the, the news item carries out over a longer period of time. But yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely see that. Now we have this, uh, one thing I've noticed is dash used to be integrated into just about any is like one of the main batch of coins that was, you know, for use for payments. I've noticed recently the last few years, again, this is just very anecdotal, so don't, don't hold me too much to it, but I've noticed a lot of things have been, a, you know, integrating like six coins or something, uh, not Dash, and it appears to be, you know, like for example, AMC theaters and people like that, that are like, oh, everyone there, you're taking all these coins, and then every, every community hypes it, and then the Dash is there with a little pouty lower lip out, like, well, what about me? And it's... Like, so first off, my suspicion, I have a BitPay suspicion, but it appears Coinbase Commerce also doesn't seem to have Dash. And basically, that seems to be a little bit of a, a huge missed opportunity if it is an opportunity at all, right? What Basically, what is that? Is it just those two or is it more than that? And second, how can we, how can we make that not the case anywhere? How can we make sure that everything that integrates like the half dozen or so coins that people use to spend things, that they have Dash on there, definitely. The big issue here is New York. Yeah. Uh, and we have had substantive conversations with New York regulators, several of mm -hmm. them. Um, and the, the issue is, a lot of these services either leverage another service in the background that is yeah. based in New York or uh, is or is not bit licensed in New York. Um, and either that or they are national and they don't want to have a fragmented system. Mm -hmm. So Coinbase, as an example, does not list Dash in New York at all. Mm -hmm. That prevents us from being on Coinbase Commerce. Mm -hmm. uh, another example is uh, PayPal. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had conversations with PayPal and Venmo. Um, and they leverage another service provider to custody the funds for them. And Dash is not integrated into that service provider because of New York. And so it is extraordinarily frustrating yeah. In part because New York is unwilling to put Dash on its green list because it won't do a thorough investigation of Dash because mm -hmm. none of those providers have stepped forward to request it. Mm -hmm. None of those pro providers stepped forward to request it because they perceive that New York would have an issue with Dash and specifically privacy. And so it's a little bit of a catch-22. We've gotten near commitments from a number of 
entities that have said, yeah, we, we plan on doing it with, you know, it's, it's somewhere in our roadmap, but nobody's quite pulled the trigger yet. Um, if you live in New York, hell, if you don't live in New York, call up regulators and tell them you want them to greenlist Dash because, you know, NYDFS is just incredibly slow to hmm. issue any type of guidance. And, you know, I, my patience is certainly run thin. I think the community should be run thin. Yeah. That, you know, regulators are just not providing any type of guidance on what is acceptable or not. And they're not providing any type of uh, pathway for resolving those things for the coins. And, and that leaves everyone in a very awkward p position, including the exchanges and other service providers. And um, yeah, it's that's what it boils down to. It's not that they don't see consumer demand. They do. Yeah. And it's not that they don't recognize Dash's advantage as a payment method. They do. It, mm -hmm. They appreciate the fact that it's instant, but they're not going to create a whole new infrastructure just for Dash. Yeah, that's sad on a few levels, but like, like Coinbase, for example, lists Dash, except not in New York and not in the UK, apparently, or at least from what I've told by a Coinbase customer over there. And they're able to segment it via region for their exchange but then for the commerce solution, they just don't want to segment it, which is a little, that's a little disappointing that they probably should. It's a small product for them. They don't yeah. have a financial incentive to invest in, in yeah. doing that. And that's the issue. Mm -hmm. So and it, the only coins on there are the very like most vanilla, blandest yeah. coins you could imagine. Yeah. Although Do Doge did get spicy there for a little bit with all the, all the memes, but uh, it also seems, I mean, it seems like, so Zcash, right, has succeeded in getting on Gemini, and Dash has not, and Zcash seems to be, at the one, and the, on the one hand, much more suspect from a regulator's perspective, although, you know, obviously, I don't care, uh, than Dash, but also seems to be much more politically well-connected for, you know, various reasons, uh, do you think like what do you think about Dash getting on Gemini and if would that possibly have a impact into this whole this this whole problem, I guess? Yeah, so um I think the way the green lighting system works in New York mm -hmm. is uh if two bit licensed firms manage to get you through their processes, then um you're uh in consideration for it. And I don't see any reason why Dash wouldn't be greenlit um, based on the facts. And mm -hmm. so I, I think that uh, it, it's a matter of getting two of them to go through their own internal processes and then make the case to NYDFS. Mm -hmm. I think that Gemini is one of our better prospects there. Zcash is one indicator of that, but they've also taken the time to meet with us on quite a number of occasions um, they've requested content on Dash from us and posted on their website. Um, they're definitely more friendly towards us than other uh, exchanges are. Mm -hmm. um, there are a number of other ones that are probably a close second to Gemini, but uh, yeah. <clears throat> I think that Gemini uh, is more open to it than most. 
and Zcash, like I said, is a perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think that we will eventually get there. Um, and, you know, I have conversations with them every few months to see where they're at and see what I can do and see, you know, mm -hmm. if there's anything we can support with regulators or anything else. So, and, and just keep them updated on our progress, you know, as yeah. we roll out things like Dash Direct, it does make a difference for them that, hey, maybe this is something our consumers would like to have access to. So, in, you know, I, I fact, think that I, we're just trying to grow. I have a video of someone buying something in the state of New York with Dash Direct. So, yeah. yeah, there is consumer demand in the state of New York for Dash Direct, for sure. Yeah, and, you know, we're able to do that because the merchant of record is actually Craypay. You're buying a gift card from Craypay in Arizona. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, that, that's the reason why a user in, da in, in New York can use a service like Craypay to actually mm -hmm. pay at the merchant. And so, you know... We, we aren't completely shut out of the New York market, but it takes someone acquiring some Bitcoin or something and exchanging it through, um, you know, some offshore entity or something of course. Uh, in order to get it or through some coin swapping or, or something or through a peer-to-peer uh, -peer network. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's a pain in the butt for people in New York and there's a lot of demand there. So we got a super chat question, but they ticked the private message box that doesn't show up publicly, but just said, you know, is Sam quantum Explorer going to stay CTO or is he going to be replaced by another outsider hired through a firm? And I think that that's reference to his titles interim CTO. And there was a listing posted, I believe, which I heard third hand or whatever. That's like a formality that has to happen at least, but obviously I'd rather talk to the actual expert on the issue. Yeah. So, you know, we, um, obviously believe the CTO position is as important as any within mm -hmm. our organization. And we want to make sure that we are uh, acquiring the best talent that we can for the network. We have an obligation to do that. Mm -hmm. um, Sam is absolutely qualified for the role. Um, he has some incredible depth of experience and, and knowledge of how the Dash network works at all levels. He's worked mm -hmm. on the base layer, the uh, mobile wallets, and uh, you know, in, in platform. And so he knows the intricacies of the network more than anyone else mm -hmm. and brings incredible depth uh, to that role. Um, that said, we, we, we did want to make sure to open it up to see if there were uh, some incredible talents out there that we might be able to acquire. What we're looking for is extremely rare and hard to find. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, the number of people that can operate at the protocol level mm -hmm. in a decentralized consensus-based network is extremely limited. And usually those people are extremely wedded to the projects that they're in. Yeah, They were, you know, a founder or their um, you know, members of the foundation and have, you know, incredible incentives in place to stay. And so, um, you know, I, I think that Sam is probably going to uh, uh, end up being our choice. It is still technically open. I've spoken to, we've looked at hun over 100 candidates 
uh, through a recruiter and narrowed that down to probably half a dozen that I've actually spoken to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can tell you that Sam is a, a pretty rare guy. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, which, by the way, it did get a chat in the chat one time says, I bought donuts in New York with Dash Direct. So apparently there's another one who's bought donut, who's bought something in New York with Dash Direct, just as yeah. an aside. Okay, so this is probably going to be the final one for this because, I mean, we got through like almost all these questions. It's pretty impressed at how many we got through. Uh, it's about DCG marketing. So I can't remember if there was anyone before Fernando. Fernando might have been the guy, the first guy to head up any kind of marketing initiatives. Fernando you know, retired. He moved on to other things, which I can't blame anyone from in dash from like floating away it's <laughs> it's kind of in the trenches right it's kind of like yeah. when i when i worked at dc people lasted there just a few years and then they burned out you know it's just kind of the way it is uh but so since then uh we have uh, arden goldstein who was hired as the head of marketing and obviously a position that encompasses a lot of stuff yeah. and obviously you know it's like here you go run the whole thing and so Anyway, she's been around for a few months. I, I don't know exactly how many months, but basically what when is the community supposed to be seeing, you know, the things that she's been working on? I remember she mentioned some things about like SEO and things that it's just hard to like see publicly. Like think that that yeah, work Yeah, they're not a lot of yeah. the work that she so her first hundred days were very much focused on diagnosing where we're at, mm-hmm. inventorying what we had. Um, evaluating the, the, you know, our, our market position and so on, and, and basically coming up with a plan. And what she found during the hundred days is there was a lot of infrastructure that just wasn't there yet. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, she talked extensively on the last quarterly call about this. And when you look at the list of accomplishments that she had during that first quarter, um, it filled an entire page with a bunch of green check boxes. And she went through and talked about all of them. A lot of those were underlying technologies, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, just getting the website tagged, getting the, uh, so that we could see what people were doing when they got there, uh, putting in place surveys. You may have visited the website and been one of the random people selected for a survey to find out why are you even here? What can we do to make it easier for you to find what you need? Uh, search engine optimization work to diagnose the issues um, and begin to work on a plan that would would uh, help when you search for Dash. There was a lot of negative things that would come up when you search for Dash cryptocurrency that was old, and you know things about the Instamine and stuff like that. And so. Uh, something like that takes a long time to change how you Mm -hmm. come out in those algorithms. So it was doing that diagnostic work and getting those projects going that were a lot of the early work. Um, Lately, she's been interviewing a lot to expand the team. Yeah. Um, And uh, next Thursday, um, we're going to be having a content uh, manager or content creator joining the team. Okay. And that will allow us to put out a lot more content and not just content, but professional content, um, you know, uh, both through our official channels, as well as start to create content that we can use for 
advertising um, and marketing and the, the big messages that we want to send out about Dash Direct or Valkyrie or some of these others. Mm -hmm. um, there's also next month, you're going to see our first merchant kit. This is like a merchant kit that yeah. you as a, a Dash user can take to your local merchants, like mom and pop type shops, mm -hmm. the you know dry cleaners that you frequent, the ice cream shop, the, you know, the little yeah. local places. And you can hand them a professional packet, have the pitch, um, and have the stickers, the Dash stickers for the window or whatever that you can get mm -hmm. them onboarded. And we want to mobilize our community in new ways. So that's going to come out probably mid-October. Um, yeah. It's all the content has been created and uh, we just need to do a final review of it and then get that stuff made. And then you'll be able to go to the website, request the that a packet be spent, sent to you. And if you promise to take that around to merchants, we're, we're going to arm the community with some high quality material that they can start mm -hmm. to, to take around. And then you can start to use it, right? Like if I can get my dry cleaner to use it, then, you know, I, I can make that a regular part of my purchasing. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's some of that type activity. Uh, we also have a number of conferences that she's been organizing, Money 2020, uh, LA BitConf, or, or La BitConf, the Latin America Bitcoin Conference, uh, the Paris Blockchain Week. Um, we may be doing a Dubai conference, but we're, mm -hmm. we're not committed to that yet. So there's a, a good deal of, of conferences that are being organized. Um, we're going to be doing a lot more Dash Direct activities, including a, a, a series of launches over the next weeks. Mm -hmm. um, the first big one is going to be announced next Friday. Um, we're going to be doing a marketing campaign in Miami aimed at the diaspora uh, Venezuelans living there, um, mm -hmm. including some media buys and um, on the ground presence that we're going to be launching. Um, a lot of this she'll go over during the quarterly call and a lot of it will be out by the time the quarterly call hits. Yeah. Um, but that's some of the stuff that she's been working on. Um, there's just going to be a, a lot more content coming out in the immediate future. Um, yeah. Oh, the, uh, the first um, newsletter is going to be launched probably over the weekend, if not uh, Monday at the very latest. Um and uh, that will contain a lot of uh, information uh, across DCG and the community as a whole. Um, and so there, there's that that's being worked on. Um, I, you know, I'm not thinking of everything right now, but yeah, you're, you're about to see a major ramp up. Um, we also are, uh, are posting a position shortly for uh, the website um, because that is a huge time sink um, keeping that maintained and, you know, everything from the list of exchanges to, uh, you know, uh, updating the content on a quarterly basis of our metrics to y you name it. It's just a huge time sink. And so freeing her up to work on other things would be great. <laughs> and so, uh, and it would also allow us to have a higher quality website that's more maintained and um, is directs people to where they want the content yeah. that they want much more quickly. Um, th there's just a lot happening on the marketing front finally. Yeah. And I will attest to some of that stuff because like I've been working with Arden on the, give, helping out with a little bit on the, um, the merchant kit it was mentioning, you know, because 
I've helped a bunch of merchants around here get set up to use it. And also um, just the conversations about Dash.org is not a good sales funnel, right? You go there, you don't convert your leads once you get them there. And so it's like, because we had a great thing in like the Dash Marketing Hub about like, oh, let's do uh, guerrilla art, like, like, like guerrilla marketing, like street art and stuff like that. Let's do, let's just see what we can do with that. And I'm like, yeah, like for what? Just expensive brand awareness? Like, what do we do if we get people's attention? Like, how, what do we do to get them into Dash users? And you can send them to Dash Direct if they have crypto of some kind, or especially Dash, and then that works. But yeah. for everything else, it's just, it just hard. And so that was a, something that I remember speaking about specifically was the, the site and how it doesn't quite yet work, but it's a priority to get it to work, to actually convert, to get people what they want right up at the top. Well, and the first step that she took there was um, these surveys that she ran on dash.org. I don't, you know, it, it was random. Mm -hmm. So not everybody who visited dash.org got hit with one of these things, but like, uh, you know, we got hundreds of responses from people. Why are you here? What are you here to do? And, and we got some surprising answers. And the result is we're going to be restructuring the website in a way where, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to be able to get to the two or three things most people are visiting for right away. And mm -hmm. that is especially true for buying Dash and, uh, and giving people more options for that. We have this Valkyrie Trust, and you'd really have to know Dash to know that it exists. And so, mm -hmm. you know, having that as an option for, for, for people, there are many advantages that I had never even thought of before. But when we started putting together the marketing for it, it's like, oh my God, there's like a lot of reasons what, like, I think I might put some of my money into, into the trust. It's a centralized entity. I'm not going to put all of it, but yeah. like there are certain advantages to it and certain um, uh, reasons why you would want to do it for at least a portion of your holdings. So like, uh, you know, I, I think that we could be doing a lot to, to market that to people that otherwise might not be willing to hold Dash. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be restructuring that website and having specific landing pages for specific use cases that people will navigate to much more quickly than they are now. Right now, you look at the the track people take through the website; it's spaghetti, mm -hmm. and uh, and so it just needs a <laughs> lot. It's of... almost like writing, like routing a Lightning Network payment. Yeah, and it, these are people interested enough to actually Google us and go to our website, and I can't imagine how many we you know, might be losing, not having the information they're looking for at their fingertips. So, um, you know, it's that conversion rate issue where we're getting them interested. And then, you know, where's the conversion? It's the merchant kit. Oh, we get the merchant interested. What's the conversion? How, what's the ask? How do you get them to that next step? Okay. How do you mm -hmm. actually get them a packet that says, here's how you create an account or whatever for converting or whatever you want to do. And so, yeah, it's been uh, an eye-opening experience to kind of go through this with a professional marketing lens and come up mm -hmm. with all of these solutions. So uh, you're going to see a lot more that's visible now because a, a lot of that work that up till now was in collecting the data that we needed to make those decisions. So, yeah. Well, let's hit it with the last question and then wrap up. The very fast one is... Myself and other people have enjoyed things you've posted on Twitter. They seem to be, they seem to do 
do well and be insightful, be quotable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What can we do to make you tweet more? Well, um, yeah, I, I, I've noticed too, that I've kind of changed my tone a little bit on, mm -hmm. on Twitter and let a little bit more of my personality out. Yeah. Um, and I think that absolutely helps with the retweets and things. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, some of my attitude is a little snarky, but it's snarky towards people we all hate. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, everybody in crypto dislikes them. So, mm -hmm. um, I think I'm enjoying uh, engaging on Twitter a little bit more uh, mm -hmm. than I have in the past. And I find myself visiting the site a little more often. Um, I do recognize that I'm, I'm seeing my follower count go up, which wasn't the goal, but I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's something is clearly resonating. So maybe I should do a little bit more of that. Yeah, probably, especially since Roger Ver hasn't tweeted in several months now. He must have gotten OD'd on Twitter, and so there's a vacuum there's a, <laughs> that needs to be filled. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, need, I, I think there's been an attitude shift in my own mind lately, too, where it's gone from being like, oh, okay, you know, Twitter is, I, I, I'm heads down during the day. I'm working, and I work like mm -hmm. 12 hours a day, basically. 6:30 a.m. to 6:30 mm -hmm. to 7:30 at night, and so that's my day. And then uh, I kind of view Twitter as something I do at the end of the day. And now I'm viewing it much differently. It's like this is part of my job, and you know I need to be putting key messages out there uh, mm. to our community to let us let them know that things are happening, that there are good things happening, um, and frankly, to expand our, our exposure as a project within yeah. the space. So I, I view it more as part of my job these days than I did even six months ago. Yeah. Well, sounds good. Well, thanks so much for being on. This was very, uh, you know, very important. There's lots of questions, lots of stuff to go over. There's a few that weren't, there are a few collected questions that weren't answered specifically here. What I will do tonight, not immediately, because I got to run and do something real quick, but what I will do is all the remaining ones, I'll tag you on Discord and put them in the Dash Core group channel. So whenever you have free time, you can answer that or other DCG people can answer that. And, you know, obviously, you know, crammed as many as we could in the hour, 40 minutes or so. So now I, I have to give a little appeal to, so I'm heading up for now and hopefully decentralizing it away because I don't want to be doing everything all the time this thing called the dash marketing hub where we're doing a bunch of like filling in the gaps between the larger initiatives. And if you want to help out, if you want to, for example, make a video of yourself using dash direct or get someone like myself or Ryan on a podcast or something like that, there's money for that. So hit me up. I'll get you going if you want to help out. And so now is the time for the thing we call the after party, which is just, you know, a chat like this in like a, you know, off the air, obviously not on the record. And sometimes I think the biggest one's like 17 people after one of these podcasts. The way you do that, you go into the Dash Discord, which is staydashy.com. I'll put that in the little live chat here. Uh, and then you just start asking around, speakeasy style. Um, I won't be there immediately. I'll be there maybe an hour or so. Sometimes it runs into like the early, early hours where some people I see in like the UK, I see like the sun coming up behind them. I'm like, dude, go to bed. So yeah, 
that was great. Uh, thanks again, Ryan. Um, any final words before we hang this up? Uh, no, no final words. I, you know, I... yeah, some final words. Yeah. Some final words are like, I'm just really excited uh, right now because I think we're all getting a little flavor of what life can be like with digital currency, at least those in the US, mm-hmm. where you could just use it just use it as part of your everyday life. And uh, I think there's a lot of people out there who want to do the same thing that we're doing. And I think we have a tremendous opportunity here. And I think it's about to get a hell of a lot better when we get platform and, you know, dash pay the username based payment system up and running, because that that's the dream I've been working towards since that presentation in 2016, since before I even joined the team, is is addressing those things. And with one of those two things in place already, uh, at least for those of us here in the US, it's really exciting. I think we have a platform now we can expand to other markets, um, you know, on the incentive side, and things just couldn't be more exciting on that front. Mm-hmm. And uh, I having gone through hell with this team (laughs) during 2019, when people were raising their hands and saying, we don't have enough money for everybody. So don't pay me, but don't Mm -hmm. fire that guy. Like the people working here are just inspiring and they're Mm -hmm. here for reasons that I, I just have such respect for the team that went through that together. We're, We're a family. And mm-hmm. the whole community is our family. We really care about the project and the vision is finally coming true. And it's just really great to see. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's for sure. I'm not going anywhere. You know, I was defunded a long time ago. I don't care if I get defunded again. What else am I going to use for my groceries, right? So, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the way it is. All right, well, have a fantastic weekend, you guys. And yeah, I'll see you guys next week. And I think two weeks from now, Ernesto is going to be on to talk about the the Horizon partnership amongst other things. So yeah, that'll be a fun one. So yeah, everyone have a great weekend and yeah, see you later. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and donate to support the show by going to my Cointree page. That's cointr.ee slash the desert links and leave a message with your donation. Check out the show's sponsors. Live on crypto with BitRefill. Buy absolutely anything with crypto with Shop and Bit. Avoid content censorship with Odyssey. Protect your privacy online with NordVPN. Get paid to search with PreSearch. All links are in the show notes.